This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. How are you doing today? We are back with the one and only and legendary investor, Anna Kelly. How are you doing, Anna? I'm doing great today. Good to be with you. Nice to be with you. I want to share with you something I did. So about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I created a survey for California landlords. And I'm actually having a company run this via their virtual assistants. Uh, and basically, I'm just I, I'm asking six questions of landlords, and uh, I, the results surprised me. So I thought I would just bring up a PowerPoint that I built because that's what I do, right? Take Excel, make pie charts, and I thought I'd go over the questions and the results with you. You, you cool with that? That sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear more. All right, here we go. So the whole idea of this was. We've had a rough year as landlords, specifically California landlords, right? Eviction moratorium, you know, all of those things. And actually, let me make this bigger because I still want to see. Okay, there you are. Um, you know, there's talks of tax changes and all of these things coming. So I was trying to figure out, hey, let's go actually talk to landlords. Instead of you and I guessing, let's go ask them questions. So um, this was my idea. So again, the questions only are like three to five minutes. So we're not having them spend a lot of time on the phone with us. But here we go. The first question was, is did the eviction moratorium cause you to lose money? Right? We hear all these scary stories. And lo and behold, again, we don't know how many units they have. They may have one house. They may have hundreds. Right? All they had to, all they had to have is at least one. But we have here is just over a quarter of them lost money because of the eviction moratorium. Better said, 70%, I think about 72% were not impacted at all. And wow. you know, yeah, this, this is it's just under a hundred people. We're going to run this for a couple more weeks, but my first cut of the data was I'm a little bit surprised. Yes. So I am too. One question I have for you, uh -huh. how did you slice and dice or select your target markets for landlords? And in, in other words, are they in more um, high end areas or are they in poorer areas? Would you call them class A, B, C, or was it just kind of across the whole gamut, regardless of um, the, the demographic? So the selection criteria is you had to own a California rental, right? And that just basically means not where your mail goes. That was kind of how we sliced the data. Use title to kind of produce the list. Um, having looked at the data behind this is probably more B's and C's, although I wasn't select. I mean, we weren't selective. We didn't, okay. we didn't categorize it. So, uh, but looking at the data, cause everybody who answered this, I also got the property address. Um, so yeah, B's and C's near as okay. I can tell. And throughout all of California? All of California, yes. Great, great. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, so again, we're gonna run this for a couple more weeks. I'm hoping to get hundreds of answers. This was just the first week's cut, but it's already telling me a story. So I, I was surprised by this answer actually. Yes. And I, th I think too, you know, what we've typically seen is anyone that invests in like class D slumlord kind of areas um, or class C minus have been hit the hardest. Sure. But if you have an average middle income tenant demographic, a pure C property, C plus and up, 
um, you were just not as impacted by the pandemic um, as as you were if if you you know had those lower end properties. Yeah, and this this I still remember. I think it was March of last year where I had that Sunday conversation with my property manager, and I was fearing the worst. And we certainly lost money. We have we have more units than the average person, uh, but it was much better than I expected. And I think that's what this shows here in, in question one. Yeah, that's great. All right, question two. Next thing I was trying to figure out is, are they, are they adding units, right? Did they use the last year to add units, grow their portfolio? And we were 2020 or halfway through 2021, so basically 18 months. And here we have the answer of not really, right? I think this was like 12%, maybe it was 14%. Of, of folks, most of them stat did not grow last year. And again, that answer actually surprised me as well. Yeah, I think it kind of surprises me too, especially how little actually bought again. I do understand, you know, when people are fearful, they yep. don't tend to go out buying. And I will say that initially when the pandemic hit for me as well, as we didn't know how bad this was going to be and how long all these businesses were going to be shut down, we went into preservation mode. And yeah. that's the wise thing to do when there's a lot of unknown because you don't want to keep buying more that might also have tenant problems. Lenders didn't want to lend more. And you really had to think about how do I hold my reserves? I never thought about holding so much in reserves as I did when the pandemic hit. And then I was so thankful that I had quite a bit in reserves to tie us over to give our tenants time to pay while we were still forking out the money on the expenses. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that investors got wiser and said, hey, we need to, let's preserve, let's make sure we get through this before we start buying. But I'm surprised that more didn't say, you know what, there's also opportunity out here because there's so much fear. And as Warren Buffett says, be greedy mm -hmm. when people are fearful and the other way around, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I was I was like maintaining, but as soon as I saw some amazing deals on a few things because of fear, I said, I'm all in with a little bit. I'll yeah. buy a couple. I may not go crazy, but I'm still going to buy. Yeah. So it surprises me that more people didn't. Yeah. The other thing I, I thought, because again, I've had the unfair advantage of looking at this for days is I, this question doesn't say that they didn't try to buy. The other thing that we saw the last 18 months is prices got nutty. Right, what might be a great investment when then somebody buyer goes 50k over, it's not a great investment, right? A lot of investors will only buy for cash flow, and that might have been just the hardest thing to buy the last 18 months. So that you know, this question I may tweak going forward because maybe they tried to buy and just got outbid. Uh, I did not ask that follow up. This was mainly did you did you add rentals in the last 18 months? So that's yeah, something else. And I, I agree with you. I agree that that's probably a reason a lot of people didn't. And you know, full disclosure, I've bought a lot less in this last year than any other year that I've been investing. Me too. Um, I'm still buying when it's a really great deal. But as we grow and as we have more coming in, we can get more picky on what it is that we purchase, right? And so a lot of, of people, a lot of institutions are buying both multifamily and single as an asset preservation play, yep. trying to, to have a stable asset in the event of inflation or the event of an extended recession, so they're not buying for cash flow. They're willing to pay top dollar yeah. just yeah. to preserve money and hope that it gets better. So for those investors that really want cash flow or they're not going to buy, they are sitting out and they're waiting and they're you know just being more patient to find really good deals. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that that has something to do with it as well. You're yeah. right. Yeah, folks, again, if you're following one rental at a time, we only do good or great deals. And the hardest thing to find the last 18 months was a good or great deal because people were yes. frankly overpaying. All right, question number three, 
Now the kind of reverse of that was, hey, did you sell, right? Did you get scared? Did you sell anything? And again, we didn't ask why they sold, but did they sell? This one here was about 21%, I think, uh, of the people sold, which is interesting because again, uh, when I created this, I didn't think of the follow-up questions because technically I was a buyer and a seller last year, right? We sold our worst performing triplex because people were frankly overpaying. Yes. Um, so yeah, this, this one also surprised me, right? I would have expected more. I would have too. And, you know, I sold a bunch. The same yeah. thing, normally a buyer. I don't like to sell my properties because I buy stuff I want to hold a long time. Mm -hmm. But in certain markets, when the price is, you know, yeah. well above what you know it has been worth for 10 years and you yeah. might have some money you have to put into it in the future years. Get it's out. It's like sell and, and get out, take your cash and then hold on a little bit and then do really good deals when they come up. So I know a lot of people in my market who have sold a lot that normally are buyers. Mm -hmm. So it surprises me that this is this low. Yeah, it'll be interesting. This is the one I think might change as data is more, because again, I'm gonna do this for two or three more weeks, as long as the data keeps coming in. But yeah, this one, actually all three so far surprised me. Got three more. Now, now I'm trying to figure out, is your portfolio gonna be bigger or smaller, right? What, don't tell me about right now, but when you look at it, at, 10 year horizon, are you going to be bigger or smaller? And again, we didn't ask age, right? If you're, you know, some of the people we called could have been 75, right? We didn't ask those questions, but this one was like, okay, this one I expected, right? We almost have three quarters of them saying, you know, in 10 years, I plan to be bigger. Yeah. Um, so that's I a that was big number. It's a big number. And what it tells me is that these investors in California are probably savvier investors than, than in some places. They didn't let the pandemic freak them out. They weren't completely, um, you know, impacted. They didn't sell out of fear. Mm -hmm. They may not have bought a lot either, but they plan to buy more when yep. conditions change. And I think that, that most investors that have been doing this for a long time and have gone through ups and downs, we realize this is a short blip on yeah. our time horizon. Exactly. And that what we do today, you know, may or may not be what happens in a year, but it certainly isn't going to be where we are 10 years from now. So most people I know that have been doing it for a while definitely want to keep growing. And yeah. so, you know, this is just a, a time when you're being a little more patient, but as soon as prices come down a little bit, um, then, you know, we're going to go for it again. So yeah. I, I think this is really good. Yeah, this is the whole idea. This kind of tied in with number two, I think it was, or maybe it was three. Um, no, it was number two. Right? We're trying to buy but just the numbers don't work, right? When there's a million inventory where there should be 3.3 or whatever, it's we're, we're gonna be wise investors looking for great deals, but willing to wait, right? Get those right. adjustments. So uh, yeah. yeah, I thought this one was, I, I don't know what to expect, but I didn't expect it to be nearly three quarters uh, yeah, bigger, great. but that was cool. All right, got two more. Okay. Does the capital gains tax concern you, right? Does, oh my God, it's going to 49% and all of that. And again, this one actually surprised me. A lot of them were like, Nope, not selling, don't care. That's basically what this chart tells me. One other question before I make a comment. Sure. So when you surveyed landlords, mm -hmm. were these a mix or um, more kind of homogeneous in terms of single family, multifamily? I would say multi residential. These are mainly residential. Okay, so, so 
I'm surprised again that it's this low. Maybe it's because in California, taxes is just a way of life. <laughs> we already pay a lot. It doesn't matter. You already pay a lot. It's like, what, what's uh, a little bit difference, right? Yeah. But I, I tend to think, and it'll be interesting as the data comes out, right? Mm-hmm. I tend to think and what I see in my own investors and my own um, kind of colleagues in the multifamily space is in multifamily, it's much more concerning. And part of the reason for that is in single family, typically you're buying them unless you're a flipper, which I don't consider really investing. It's just a business model, right? Mm -hmm. If you're investing in residential rental properties, you buy it with the view to 20 years. And so if taxes are going to go up now, you say, no problem. I'll just hold them longer. And rather than, you know, churn them, I'll just do a cash out refi. I'll fix them up as we go and I'll keep this property forever until the tax code changes again. But if you're in the multifamily space or you're a value add investor or a flipper, I can tell you this is a huge concern because Mm -hmm. I can't just sell a property in two years. It's going to make a 15% IRR and pay, you know, 39% tax on that. That 15% doesn't look so attractive anymore. Right. So this traditional value add, the value play that happens in multifamily in an upward cycle um, because of the capital gain changes, it makes it harder because you can't just say, well, one investor wants to 1031, but the others don't. It's all or nothing. Exactly. Everybody in that big multifamily deal, 100 investors, 200 investors, they either all 1031 or you're stuck you know, holding the asset longer than what maybe you want to. So um, if I think that if you surveyed some multifamily, it would look almost the opposite of this. Yeah, probably very true. This, this again was very residential in orientation. Um, the data is easier to get, frankly, uh, yeah. from residential people, right? Uh, multifamilies yes. are hidden behind lots of layers. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right. So number six, not to tease it, but was probably the most shocking to me, which is kind of funny. Number six, do you plan to buy in California in the future? Yes or no? I am <laughs> shocked at how many people are like, I am getting out of here. <laughs> now, this is funny. It's kind of an oxymoron because they said capital gains doesn't worry them, but they're leaving. <laughs> they're leaving. And I can guarantee you one of the reasons that they're leaving is because of the taxation or the heavy handedness of the pandemic. So yes. a lot of people leaving California are going to cheaper places like Texas and Florida, Georgia and Tennessee, where the cost of living is less. Mm-hmm. They can work from anywhere now so they can keep that lucrative high paying California job, yep. but yep. work from home somewhere else and pay far less taxes. So this doesn't surprise me that it's big, but I think it surprises me that it's so big. Yeah, it was the... So- I would have I would have guessed fifty percent, because again, California investors. I mean, the last twenty years, generally speaking, has been pretty good, right? You get yeah. you got especially if you're in the cash flow markets, Inland Empire, Fresno, Central. Like if you're investing in the Bay Area, you're not making cash flow, right? Yeah. The, the other thing I took from this chart, again, I had the unfair advantage of looking at this for days, is that California, even in those tertiary markets, is getting harder to cash flow. Yes. That's I think what's in some of this numbers is you know what can't cash flow anymore. It's going down, you know, that level and the government is not friendly. Uh, yes. So I'm going elsewhere. I think that's some of this as well. 
Absolutely. And, and I have multiple investors who have reached out to me through my syndication model that want to invest passively mm -hmm. because they don't want to self-manage deals that are outside of California exactly. that are too hard to get to, but they know that they just cannot cash flow on anything that they're looking. And some have been looking for a year, year and a half, or already have a few rentals, mm -hmm. but just where the prices are and the taxation, they just can't cash flow. And they're competing again with other buyers that are looking for deals to just preserve value or hope for future appreciation. And, and therefore the price makes it such that they can't get cash flow. So um, I would say probably eight to 10 investors that have contacted me in the last year mm -hmm. have been in California and want to invest passively in deals outside of Yeah. So why don't you do me a favor? Where should people uh, look to be? Because again, I think there's a lot of California investors that would do good work. Why don't you talk about Greater Purpose Capital and also your Trailblazer project uh, one more time? Awesome. I think people should know. Great. Thank you so much. So if you are an accredited investor, because we can't advertise investments unless you're an accredited investor, but if you're an accredited investor and you're interested in investing passively in multifamily deals primarily, where we really go in and make a positive impact in the lives of our residents, um, really investing for meaningful impact, you can follow me at greaterpurposecapital.com. You can fill out a form to join my investor tribe and set up a call with me so we can talk about your investing goals and really allow you to create probably better returns than you get in California, depending on the project, and really be able to do good with your investing dollars as well. Um, we also have a new project coming out that I'm doing with the uh, investor community called the Trailblazers Project. And that is a project where we're going in, buying some communities in nice neighborhoods with good schools, where we're offering transition housing to women in abusive situations and being able to really work with the community to support those women, give them financial literacy and help them to get back on their feet. So yeah. I'd love to have you join me if you're accredited and that's something that would interest you. Yeah, do yourself a favor right now, go to greaterpurposecapital.com and fill that form out. Anna, thank you very much for your time this week. Uh, always fun. Thank you so much, Michael. Mm -hmm.